For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Genesis. This is part two of the series. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 7, page 161, we are told that the rabbis teach that Adam's sin brought death to the world. Why do you decree death upon me? God replied, you are to die because of the sin of the first man who brought death into the world. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 103, it also tells us how Adam's sin brought death to the world. This intimate death for Adam, death for Eve, and death for their descendants. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 21, it goes on to say about Adam's sin which brought death to the world. In his present form, man cannot return to his original state. Only through death and resuscitation could he be born once again as man before the sin. For this reason, the sin brought death upon the human race. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 358, it tells us that the Messiah will be the one who will rectify Adam's sin. David represents the King Messiah who will fulfill the age-old potential that was dashed with Adam's failure or Adam's sin. We are told in the Brit Hadashah in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 and verses 14 through 15, that Yeshua paid the price for Adam's sin as it is written. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come but not as the offense so also is the free gift for if through the offense of one many be dead, that is Adam, much more than that, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Yeshua HaMashiach, has abounded unto many. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, we're told that a marriage took place in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve. It reads as follows, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep. This deep sleep is a prophetic 
poetic allusion to spiritual slumber, which results in exile into the nations, to fall upon Adam, Adam being a term for the nation of Israel. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, this is a reference to, an allusion to, the death of Yeshua on the tree, and from the death of Yeshua on the tree, he closed up the flesh, or healed the wound of the exile. We're told in John chapter 11, verses 49-52, that Yeshua died on the tree to gather together in one, the children of God scattered abroad, or to heal the wound of the exile. And the rib, a reference to the death of Messiah on the tree, which the Lord God had taken from man, that is the sins of the world, made he a woman. This is a reference to the bride of Messiah and a new creation in Messiah, and brought her unto the man. And this comes about by the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, in Adam, here, this is speaking about the Messiah, who's the last Adam, said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, speaking of the body of Messiah. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man, this is a reference to Yeshua the Messiah, leave his father. This is a reference to yod heh the father, and his mother, which is the Shekinah, or the divine presence, and shall cleave unto his wife, that is his bride, and they shall be one flesh. They shall be echad. They shall be one family. The marriage between Adam and Eve foreshadows the marriage of Messiah to his bride. Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, and verses 31 and 32, as it is written. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Messiah is the head of the congregation, and he is the Savior of the body. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, or reading it Hebraically, this is a sowed. This is something that's not readily seen at the surface level, or the Peshat. It's a sowed. But I speak concerning Messiah and the congregation. Next, let's look at Noah and the events that are recorded in Genesis in chapter 9 and see how this foreshadows exile and redemption. In Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 20, continuing on to verse 21, we're told that Noah planted a vineyard and got drunk from the vineyard which he planted. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 301, we are told how Noah's drunkenness foreshadows the ten tribes. And he drank of the wine to excess and became drunk. Rashi notes that the spelling of tent, which is Ohala, is an allusion to the ten tribes of Israel known collectively after the city of Samaria, which is also called Ohala, Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 4, and who were exiled, Galu, homiletically relating to on the account of wine, see Amos chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore, the homiletical rendering of this verse, according to Rashi, would be those who dwelled in Ohala, 
Kohalah were exiled on the account of wine. This follows the Midrash, which also connects this to exile. He was the cause of exile for himself and subsequent generations. We are told that Shem and Japheth, when they saw their father's nakedness, covered their father's nakedness. And Yeshua, in seeing the quote-unquote nakedness of the house of Jacob in the context that they did not follow Torah, rather than exposing their nakedness or eternally judging them and condemning them, he sought to cover it up, meaning to forgive them of their sins if they would accept the punishment of their ways and repent and accept his redemptive work. Genesis chapter 5 verse 32, And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem, Ham, and Japheth are the sons of Noah. Genesis chapter 9 verses 22 through 24 says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine which is an allusion to awaking from spiritual slumber and knew what his younger son had done unto him. It goes on to tell us in Genesis in chapter 9 that Japheth will dwell in the tents of Shem. In Genesis chapter Chapter 9 verse 25 it said cursed be Canaan a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren so Canaan is cursed but who is of the line of Canaan it is the line of Ham in Genesis chapter 10 verse 6 and verse 8 it is written the sons of Ham are Cush Mitzrayim which is Egypt and Put and Canaan and it's Cush who begat Nimrod so therefore we have the enemies of the nation of Israel Egypt Babylon Canaan Canaan are regarded as the cursed entities. It goes on to prophesy in Genesis chapter 9 verse 26 and 27. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. This is a prophecy that the nation of Israel will rule over Canaan, meaning ultimately they will get the upper hand over Egypt, over Babylon, over Canaan. That's why the children of Israel were commanded to go into the land of Israel, which is the land of Canaan and to defeat the enemies in the land. Canaan in Hebrew means a merchant, and merchandising is associated with Babylon. It speaks about overcoming the world in the world system and the world's values. And ultimately, the prophecy is that the nation of Israel will rule over the nations, which comes to pass during the Messianic era when Yeshua rules and reigns from Jerusalem. Genesis chapter 9 verse 27 is the prophecy. God will enlarge Japheth and he will dwell in the tents of Shem and Canaan will be his servant. Japheth represents those who are exiled and those who are living with the exiles of Israel who will join with the exiles of Israel, return back to the land of Israel and dwell in the tents of 
Shem. There is this very important Torah principle, which is the deeds or the events that happen to the patriarchs are a sign or a prophecy of what will happen to their descendants. On a larger scale, we understand that biblical history is prophecy. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 398 and 436, it is written, The concept of the deeds of the patriarchs are a portent for their children refers to the distillation of the national history in the lives of the patriarchs. Whatever happened to the patriarchs is a sign or a foreshadowing to what will happen to their children. Let's see how this is so. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 10, we're told that Abraham went down to Egypt as it is written. And there was a famine in the land and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land. This is going to foreshadow that the descendants of Abraham are going to go down to Egypt because there was a grievous famine in the land. In the book called Torah Studies by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson on page 13, he writes and explains that Abraham's journey to Egypt foreshadows the Egyptian exile. Abraham's journey down to Egypt foreshadows the future Egyptian exile. Exile. And Abram went up out of Egypt, presages the Israelites' redemption. And just as Abraham left way down with cattle, silver, and gold, so too did the Israelites leave Egypt with great wealth. In Genesis chapter 12, we're told how when Abraham went to Egypt, that Pharaoh took Sarah, his wife, into his house. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 11, verses 14 and 15, and verse 17 and verse 20, it is written, And it came to pass when he, that is Abraham, was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that you are a fair woman to look upon. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh. Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. As a result, it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 17, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. As a result of this plague that came upon Pharaoh, it says, and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. In the art scroll of Genesis Volume 1, page 452, it explains that when Pharaoh let Sarah go, it happened at a time which would be later celebrated as Passover. The night that Pharaoh was afflicted with a plague that forced him to free Sarah was what would later be the night of Passover. This paralleled how God would later greatly afflict the Egyptians to force them to free the children of Israel. This commentary is is made by Perke de Rabbi Eliezer, section 26, the sayings of Rabbi Eliezer. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 454, in comment to the phrase, take her and go, it is written, Pharaoh's order to take her and go presents a striking parallel. As pointed out several times, the entire episode of Abraham in Egypt presaged what would later occur to his descendants 
descendants in Egypt, when a successor of Pharaoh would say to Moses and Aaron in Exodus chapter 12, verse 32, take them and go. Abraham left Egypt with much goods. In the art scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 456, it says, concerning the verse, so Abram went up from Egypt. The Torah always uses the word went up when speaking of journeys to a higher terrain of the land of Israel. And then it goes on to say, now Abram was very laden or heavy, heavily burdened with bundles is the commentary of Rashi. The adjective heavy is used because with such an abundance of wealth, he was weighed down. The word is synonymous with rich or heavy with many possessions. Abraham's exodus foreshadows the Egyptian exodus. In the commentary to the Torah of the book of Genesis by Moses Nachmanides on page 173, it is written concerning the verse, and there was a famine in the land. Now Abram went down to Egypt on account of the famine to dwell there in order to keep himself alive in the days of the drought. But the Egyptians oppressed him for no reason and attempted to take his wife. The Holy One blessed be he avenged their cause with great plagues and brought him forth from there with cattle with silver and with gold and Pharaoh even commanded his men to escort them from the land he thereby alluded to Abraham that his children would go down to Egypt on account of the famine to dwell there in the land and the Egyptians would do them evil and take the women from them just as Pharaoh said and every daughter shall you save alive but the holy one blessed be he would avenge their cause with great plagues until he would bring them forth with silver and gold, sheep and oxen, very rich in cattle, with the Egyptians pressuring to send them out of the land. In Genesis chapter 13 verses 14 through 16 we are told that Abraham's seed will be as the dust of the earth as it is written. And the Lord said to Abram after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you you are northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see to you will I give it into your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 470, and comment to the verse, and I will make your seed as the dust of the earth. It says that this alludes to messianic times when the children of Israel, as it says in a Jewish published Bible, Hosea chapter 2 verse 1, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. It is Hosea chapter 1 verse 10 in the King James. And also in 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 20, Judah and Israel were many as the sand, which is by the sea in abundance. They ate, they drank, and were happy. And the art scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 470, it makes this comment about Abraham's seed will be as the dust of the earth. The comparison to the dust of the earth is explained in the Midrash. Just as the dust of the earth is found from one end of the world to the other, so shall your children be found from one end of the world to the other. As the dust of the earth can be blessed only through water, so shall your children 
children be blessed for the sake of Torah, which is likened to water, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. As the dust of the earth wears out even metal utensils, yet itself endures forever, so will Israel exist forever, while the nations of the world will cease to be. As the dust of the earth is trodden upon, so will your children be downtrodden under the heel of foreign powers. But as the dust outlives those who tread upon it, so God said to Abraham, Shall your sons outlive the nations of the world that persecute them? In Genesis in chapter 14, we are told how Abraham waged war against various kings to save his family. In Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, in verse 12, in verse 14 and 16, it is written, And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, which the rabbis say that this is Nimrod, Ariak, king of Eleazar, Cheldor-Lamir, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and it lists other ones that they made war with. And as a result, they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother's lot, and his goods, and the woman also in the people. This is foreshadowing that before redemption comes, which is the restoration of Adam's family, what precedes it is war with the nations. That's why you are going to have, in the end of days, war is going to precede the redemption of the house of Jacob back to the land of Israel. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 473, in Commentary to these things, it says, and it happened in the days. Whenever we find in the Bible the phrase, and it happened in the days, it indicates trouble. And Amraphel is identified with Nimrod. So a war in a battle with the nations is what is prophesied here. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 474, it says, Rav Eleazar bar Abina said, When you see the powers fighting each other, look for the coming of King Messiah. The proof is that in the days of Abraham, because these powers fought against each other, redemption came to him. Or in other words, he was victorious over them. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 474 and 475, in commenting about Abraham waging war against various kings to save his family. Ramban, or Nachmanides, drawing from the Midrash and consistent with his interpretation that whatever has happened to the patriarchs is a sign or a foreshadowing or a prophecy of what will happen to their children, perceives that the four kings in the narrative symbolizes the four kingdoms who would in turn conquer the world and persecute Israel. Shinar, as noted, refers to Babylon. Eleazar refers to Media and Persia. Elam was the city in which the first Greek king, Alexander, was crowned and from where his dominion spread over the entire world. See 
repeat the Talmud, Avada Zarah 10a. Goyim, nations, refers to Rome, which held sway over many nations. Once again, seeing this principle that Abraham's battle with these various kings foreshadows exile and redemption of his descendants, and the commentary to the book of Genesis by Moses Nachmanides on page 181, he writes regarding this battle. This event happened to Abraham in order to teach us that four kingdoms will arise to rule the world. In the end, Abraham's children will prevail over them and they will all fall into their hands. The first one mentioned here is the king of Babylon. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Genesis. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.